Welcome back to the energetics of everything, your favorite place to learn about all things, wealth, health, and personal development from an energetic perspective. If you are someone who is in pursuit of both being the best version of yourself and creating a wildly impactful life, then this is the place for you. Throughout this podcast, you will learn how to use my hindsight as your foresight, as you identify your purpose, optimize your behavior patterns, and create a ripple effect of positive change that your soul knows you're capable of. My name is Eden Carpenter, and I am so excited to be a part of your personal growth today. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Energetics of Everything. I am sitting down with Rachel, who was the giveaway winner, and she gets to be the first guest on this amazing podcast. Hi, Rachel. How are you doing? Hi, I'm well. How are you? Very good. I'm so good. I talked to Rachel about this a minute ago, but you're going to have to listen to me give my spiel again. (laughs) My goal with these interviews is I want to showcase women asking questions differently. I've done lots of interviews myself where I've been on different podcasts and a lot of times I'm asked the same questions over and over again. Another thing that I've seen is when people get the opportunity to ask me questions, I feel like they're asking the wrong questions because they're so caught up in what's the right question and making sure that it's very personalized to them. They might have a question around sales or marketing or embodying something. They're asking a question that's a little bit too specific. It's things like as a 6-2 generator with a sacral authority and an undefined emotional center, and this is my incarnation cross, and this is my vocation, all of these details, how would you go about blank? That's taking in way too much information when really they could be asking, okay, I'm struggling with this. This is going to be a series of couple of different guests that I'm going to invite onto the podcast to help you guys learn how to ask better questions. And then this is also going to be a great opportunity for me to get to talk about some things in human design that I may not just off the top of my head be inspired to talk about. It's going to be really fun. And I'm really excited to have Rachel here for the first episode. It's going to be great. (laughs) So Rachel, you said you've been studying your chart for around two years and you're working through some of the gene key information. Do you want to tell us what is your type, your profile, and your authority? Yeah. So I'm a manifesting generator, a two core sacral. I'm super interested in it. I've got all the books and diving deep into it. Lately, Gene Keys has been really amazing for diving into shadows. Where in the Gene Keys are you right now? What are you studying? What are you playing with? I'm actually looking in the pearl sequence. Oh, your vocation's in 34. That's fun. That's my conscious son. Yes, I heard that on the other episode. <laughs> Very fun. And then 10.6 is your culture. 14.2 is your brand. Oh, we both have three line pearls too. So that you know, of celebration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I love yeah. that. <laughs> I love that. What questions do you have about maybe the pearl sequence, if you want to start there? With the vocation, I've been told that the shadow of that is one of your biggest challenges in life. Is that true? 
<laughs> yeah. So with vocation, because that sphere is both in the Venus sequence and it's in the Pearl sequence, it kind of plays two roles. It plays a role of your core wound in Gene Keys in that Venus sequence. And then it gives this potential for essentially this core shadow that you have if you're able to transmute that with whatever medicine is provided, there's definitely medicine with the line keynotes there as well. It provides this opportunity to be very expansive for you in the world around you. I really like to reference the astrological side to take apart this sphere. So we're looking at your unconscious Mars. Mars is the archetype of the younger brother. And so the younger brother has this energy of, I always picture one of my younger brothers where they're kind of immature. They're joking around. They don't take anything seriously. They're a little bit chaotic. I think emotionally immature is one of the keynotes in that as well. Once that younger brother decides to really get their shit together, essentially, and step into the, the role of, okay, I'm taking life seriously now, they've unconsciously been watching older siblings do that. They know what to do. And so there's this very quick shift of, once you've stepped into alignment, once you kind of overcome that core wound, it becomes this thing that gains a lot of momentum very quickly. We've got some masculine energy because it's a brother archetype. It's got that immaturity energy and Mars that can be a little bit chaotic as well. The core wound is something that I've been diving into a lot lately too. It's this unfair feeling of inadequacy that we all have for some reason. And it's something we're born with. It's a core wound. And it's also very unfair that we feel this way. <laughs> There's no rationale for it. Cause a lot of trauma, or if you're going through conditioning, you're able to refer back to, this is when I learned that this is when I figured that out. But with this core wound, you can't, it has that ability to be a really big shadow because it can be a really big block for financial freedom and for really prosperity. Cause that's what the sequence is about and prosperity. There's this energy of fulfillment there as well. It's not just making money. It's making money while also sustaining yourself and being a part of the community and being of service. So that service element is really big here. And that comes from once you get over your biggest core wound, you're open-hearted and you have this open-hearted approach where you're able to step into the work that you want to do. And you're like, wow, if I was able to transmute this and it was an unfair wound that I have for no reason, of course, I'm going to be able to empathize with other people and help them through it as well. That's where it goes from the core wound to this greatest gift, this vocation, the work that you're here to do. Mm, amazing. With the life's work as well, I feel like is the 14 exactly what you're saying for me I think it's about sharing getting excited with people about what they love to do and showing people that they can do what they love and also get paid for it is that yeah. kind of the energy of it yeah yeah and with your profile line being a two so that two four it's amazing because you essentially watch other people and then naturally just do things yourself but it's kind of hard sometimes the biggest challenge with a two line being conscious is going to be seeing yourself and seeing that you're probably better at it than you give yourself credit for. So surrounding yourself with people, especially with that four line unconsciously, surrounding yourself with people who constantly reflect back to you, like you're good at what you do. Then with 14 specifically, really reflecting back, you're competent, you're competent, you know what you're doing, <laughs> you're good at this, you are more than good enough to be teaching other people what comes so naturally to you. Yes, that resonates so much. Thank you. Yeah, that's a fun one. The compromise to competence. What else? 
What else? The other thing that I've been looking at and that's really been so the SQ sphere and the shadow of that is confusion. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like, and I know that's from year, year zero to seven. Is that? Yeah. That's still kind of playing out. And I'm wondering what process I would go to to start unraveling that. One of the greatest things about Gene Keys that I really love is that it teaches us to not shy away from the shadows. I actually get really excited when I see a shadow now because it's like, yes, I know the answer to this. I I know this one. I've seen it before. Going from confusion, um, confusion is, I think it's my EQ. So I get it. (laughs) But you want to go from confusion to imagination. Essentially the, the energy, because your head center is undefined, This is going to be the consistent way in which you experience that undefined head center shadow, that head center shadow of searching for answers, getting away from mental pressure that, oh my gosh, I have to figure this out where the answers, can I be certain? And it's probably going to combined with that undefined Ajna. So searching for certainty, searching for answers, searching for the way that you see things, your specific perspective, you might also find yourself searching for realizations with this confusion You might, especially as a mountains person, you might need to go away, get some clarity, but you might be looking for that. Where is the breakthrough? Where is the breakthrough? Where is the breakthrough? With this, the biggest thing is you don't want to be pushing it. You don't want to be pushing yourself for where is the answer? I'm so confused. I need to sort through all of this with that undefined head and Ajna. The best thing you can do is clear your mind and remind yourself that the answers come to you. One of my favorite affirmations is I always know what I need to know. And if I don't, the answer is made apparent. So I always know what I need to know. I I think I started this affirmation in college and it was something that I literally wrote on my tests. And then most of the time I would erase it and every once in a while I'd forget. You would get your packet back afterwards with your grade on it. And they'd say like, curious, but I would write, I've been exposed to everything I need to know in order to do well on this test. In my brain, visualizing that and seeing that was, I've seen it, I've heard it, I've written it somewhere, I've typed it, I've explained it to someone, I've been exposed to the information that I need in order to do well in this test. A core belief that I will find myself coming back to over and over again is the answers are made apparent. I believe that everything that I'm met with, I'm never going to be met with a situation that I can't figure out. And I do not immediately have the resources available to solve that problem. That gives me the power to kind of step back. And with that undefined head center, the answers come to you. You always have the access to them. You don't need to search for the answers. They will come to you. So I would just talk yourself through that when you're feeling super confused. Be like, that's okay. Clarity is going to come, but that's not something that I have to search for. So I can stop trying to search for it right now and let it come to me when it's ready. Letting that go is actually going to hold that space and open up that space for the right answer to come through for you. Just go on a walk. Yes, that is amazing because I always feel like I have to get to the bottom of things. Mm -hmm. And so this is so much easier because it can just come to me. (laughs) There is no bottom. (laughs) That is so good. There is no bottom that you're going to get to. And so you can actually be searching for that answer and you're never going to find it. (laughs) What a relief to know that. (laughs) Good. Where is that shadow showing up for you? That confusion about things in childhood there's a lot of no memory space and a few things that I've been exploring that really came up when I started doing a lot of my own healing that I'm like is this real what happened here you know and feeling really confused and needing to know 
the answers, mm-hmm. getting stuck in that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you want to dive into that a little bit more? Yeah, sure. Okay. Is there like a specific memory or a specific time period that's really confusing for you that we could use as like an example? Yeah, I think it's around age five. And it probably comes down to, I think there was confusion with, I was feeling things and probably expressing that. And my parents were kind of disregarding that or saying that isn't true. So there's this massive confusion. Like I can't trust what my body feels and me probably calling out stuff about what I'm seeing in the environment. And then that being told me that's wrong. Imagination is confusing for other people too. If you're in your own world and one of the greatest things human design teaches us is that we can trust ourselves, even if your truth confused people when you were five, that was, that was how you saw things. That was how you understood things. So you, as an adult, you get to validate yourself in that was the experience that you were having. And therefore it is valid. You can't argue with how you feel. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Even if it was confusing for other people, you have a very active imagination. And with your open head and Ajna, you see things very open-mindedly. Just because they may have said this is true, that doesn't mean that it actually is true. I was researching it the other day because I'm a nerd and I was looking at what makes truth (laughs) just on a whole philosophical thing. And to believe in anything 100% means that you have to be 100% in at least 10 different things. If I'm going to believe in one thing, I have to believe in the people that said it, the people that they got that information from, the people that they got that information from. And there's the whole train of at what point do you actually know something is true? And at one point can you actually believe in something in order to believe in something hundred percent, you have to be putting your faith in that that is true. And that being true also relies on a lot of other things around that being true in order to make that true. So you as a child in this, you may have been playing in your imagination, you're open-minded, you're seeing things a little bit differently. And so it may be that they didn't see that and they weren't able to offer you the validation or just the acknowledgement for how you felt, but you get that opportunity now. You get to say, yeah, that was true. And I have a great imagination and I'm going to play in this imagination space and you get to validate your experience. Amazing. Wow. I love how deep you went with truth. <laughs> <laughs> but it makes a lot of sense. What is true? It's so different for everyone. Mm. Oh, and the evolution sphere. I'm interested about that. Is that the genius sequence? Yeah. Yeah. What can you tell me about that? I don't really yeah. know. Absolutely. I love the genius sequence. That's where a lot of excitement for me is right now. How I like to look at the whole genius sequence is you have that sun, which is very bright, big, bold thing, almost this out of world energy that you're here to bring to this world. And that earth is what's going to ground you. It's almost like this sun is a little bit too bright until it's grounded in this earth. So you have this energy of competence with that line of the dancer, this city of bounteousness, which is that life's work. And you're going to ground it with style. You're going to ground it through gate eight. Gate eight is the only conscious gate defined in your throat. So this is going to be 
probably the most consistent way that you can see yourself communicating. It's in the channel 1-8, which is the channel of self-expression and authenticity. Really, when you communicate, it's about freshening up your style. It's about communicating in a way that feels correct for you and authentic for you. Because it's on individual circuitry, it's really about you are sharing because you have something to share and you're letting people watch you. This individual circuitry, it's really based on empowerment. And so when you communicate things in your own style, you are empowering other people to communicate in their own style as well. Working with 14, 14 is about competence. So really finding your power skills, finding what you're really good at being in that zone of genius. So you, with that line too, when you're dancing in your zone of genius and just expressing your own style, that's where that magic is going to be in your style is what's going to ground that energy in. I think you mentioned it before the call started, but you said that expressing yourself is one of those challenges. And so that's actually going to be this pathway of challenge for you because you've got this, you know, you're competent, but can you ground it enough? Can you be confident enough in your way of expressing things in your style of expressing things to let it be exquisite. Yes. Yeah. I saw in my moving over to human design somewhere in there, there's a fear of expressing my unique opinion. It's like a big fear around that. There's probably lots in my chat that and my perspective, fear of sharing my perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That might come from the only gate you have to find in your Ajna is 43, which is genius insights. <laughs> so you have these genius in insights that are ahead of their time. And that's inconsistent for you because your Ajna center is undefined. There is probably this fear of, I need my perspective to be solid before I can share it with other people. And yeah. you don't your perspective, <laughs> it's never going to be solid because you can see a one particular topic from 10 different sides. You can always play devil's advocate. You can say, this is true. I believe in this. And like, but what if it's not true? And so you'll get into that spiral again of where's the truth? And is this the answer? And of course you'll probably blame yourself. Mm. This is me. I'm not solid in my perspective. Therefore I can't share anything. <laughs> my God. It's not your perspective, especially because you have the 34, 10, 20, 20 is about being present gate 20. And that's my conscious earth. So yeah. it's a big deal for me. Yeah. <laughs> you move from superficiality, this energy of superficiality, when you're worried about how is it going to look if I change my mind? How is yeah. it going to look if I present this topic and then change my mind later? You want to move from that into the energy of self-assurance. When you are confident in whatever it is that you are putting forward, you can let other people calibrate to your level of confidence. I talk about my undefined centers often. It's a part of my brand at this point is this is going to change. Rebranding is always on brand because I never know who I am and what colors and what fonts are best going to express me, express through me. Yes. So with 20 you have to trust yourself and you have to trust that whatever's coming out, probably without preparation too, which is the scary part, probably without preparing for it, what's going to come through you, especially if it's expressed in your unique style, it's going to be correct for the people that are meeting you in that moment. Yes, that makes sense. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Do I have open taste? Let me go back to your human design chart. Yeah, open taste. Open taste. What's the difference between open taste and what's the other one? Close, close taste. I'm close <laughs> taste. <laughs> yes. 
Taste is a really cool color. We're working with a color here. And so we're in the variables at this point. Essentially, you have a sense of taste. You have a specific sense of what you like and what you don't like. It's almost like, again, similar to you have your own unique style in gate eight. Mm -hmm. So you need to, with an open taste, you need to taste things. So I'm closed taste, which means I can read a menu and I can say, I'm not going to like that. I'm not going to like that. I'm going to like this. I can quite literally almost taste flavors just by reading a menu and figuring out what I like. That open taste, you need to try things. You need to try things out to figure out if it fits your taste or not. This can go with music. This can go with your clothing style. This can go with lots of different things, maybe different workout styles, different nutrition plans, whatever it is. You want to taste it out and you want to be open to trying new things. Essentially, if you're open to expanding that palate, you're going to start to figure out what does taste good. What doesn't taste good, even in situations where let's say you maybe get into a partnership or you're working with a friend or something along those lines. If it just doesn't taste right, it's not for you. It's your cognition. It's your strongest sense. You have this kind of sixth sense with taste. I'm seeing it a lot right now with decorating our home. I have a very specific taste. And so I'm going through and like, I don't like that. That'll look good. This won't look good. If you're decorating a house or something, you might need to use one of those, like see it in the room beforehand. Yeah. (laughs) To see if I like this, does this taste good? Does it meet my style or not? Yeah. Taste is fun. Taste is a fun (laughs) question. With fear as my motivation, How do you like not overcome it, but how do you work with that? Yes. We share a lot actually, because I'm also fear motivated. (laughs) So much here. How I have worked with my fear motivation is I recognize that I'm always going to be afraid. I'm probably always going to be afraid of something. There's a couple of different things that I've done here. I'll recommend this book, Existential Kink. It's amazing for processing. It's amazing for emotional processing. For me, I've done it a lot with fear. Whenever I am, let's say I'm setting a goal for the month and I'm like, oh my gosh, all of this fear is coming up. I will write down everything that I am afraid of. There's two things that I will do since it's a motivating factor. Let's say I just gave everyone on my team raises. And so there's definitely this fear of, am I going to be able to continue to make this revenue in order to pay the team the way that I want to be paying them? That fear is actually energy. That is my excitement. That fear is what's going to get me into my office, get me working on the things that I need to be working on, get me shifting my perspective. And it's going to get me to show up. I do a lot of emotional work around it too. So the existential kink process is really amazing because it has you sit in these feelings and actually transmute them. I like to do it after yoga. I'll sit in child's pose and breathe, get into my body and then feel like, okay, what happens if we don't hit the revenue and I can't pay my team or something like that? I'll feel into if that was my reality what does that feel like? Where is that fear? I'll start breathing shallow. My heart rate's going to get higher. I might start sweating a little bit and I get warmth in my stomach. That stomach getting warm, I just sit with it. You just let your body have that emotion, have that feeling. And I'm still visualizing this having to tell my team that I can't pay them or something like that. And I recognize that in that moment, I would be okay. I would be okay, even if the worst case scenario happened, but also at the same time, I'm afraid of it happening. And therefore that fear is going to motivate me and move me forward to do everything possible to make sure it doesn't happen. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So looking at it as like the motivation as well, but working through it. Yeah. Okay. 
really helpful. I'll just kind of riff on this a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. I like to be able to switch fear into excitement. So physiologically, fear and excitement are the same response. If I'm really afraid of something, it could very easily on the flip side mean that I'm really excited for the opposite thing. Being able to switch it from I'm terrified that I'm not going to be able to pay my team or whatever it is and switching that into I am so excited to keep paying my team this much. I am so excited that I get to share this abundance and provide for them the way that I feel so supported by them. I'm able to switch it. And so that is easier for me to show up in the energy of excitement versus fear. Yeah. Still using that fear as motivation. That is excellent. Yeah. One of my things is getting really excited and passionate. So yeah, learning to switch it into that will be so helpful. One question. So about business and marketing and the energetics of that, I'd love to know. Yes, yes, yes. Tell the podcast a little bit about what you do so we can get more practical about how to market. Yes. So I'm a kinesiologist and a psych K facilitator. I've learned a bunch of modalities being an MG (laughs) that I kind of blend together in my sessions, but I work online, I work in person and I love what I do. It can be really creative and fun. I love that. (laughs) When I look at marketing, I look at a couple of things. I will look at your branding, obviously. So you're 14.2. That line two is going to be really powerful. The line two, that dancer energy, that's going to be really helpful to be in this. I just do this naturally. You naturally found Psyche, you found kinesiology, you found human design, you've got all of these different systems and modalities that you are bringing together. You get to just kind of dance between all of these different modalities and you can recognize that you have created your own zone of competence, your own zone of where you feel good. And I'm using competence specifically because it's the gift of your conscious son. You're really good at figuring out what you are good at and what lights you up and what excites you. So I would just play into that more and play into what makes you feel competent and how can you show other people that? How can you just let them watch you in your zone of competence? That might be, maybe you record little clips of your sessions and just share you in that zone of competence The next thing that I look at is your throat center. Your throat center is going to be the consistent ways that you are expressing your voice. And you have 20 and you have eight defined. Eight is about, I can create. It's very, this is what I'm feeling now. I am present because it's defined unconsciously. It's going to be difficult, not difficult, but you might not see it. Just channeling, just talking about whatever it is that you want to talk about, just getting into a flow. It usually takes me a few minutes sometimes to actually get into the flow with something, but then it's like, I'm just opening my mouth and words are coming through and I don't really know what's going to come next, but I know that whatever is going to come through is what the people need to hear in this moment. You want to be able to kind of get yourself into that flow, especially if it's something that's lighting you up. That's where your sacral energy is going to really be able to contribute It's connected to gate 10. So really trusting that sense of self and trusting that you are sharing this and you are the right person and you're being, we've got, I am present (laughs) that 34, which is, I am powerful. And then 10, which is, I am being very natural energy channeling will be really good. Talking about whatever it is that you're really passionate about in the moment and capturing that excitement when you're excited about it in the moment. If you are really excited about something, just hit record, just record it now. Don't plan it into your day 10 days down the line because you probably do that too. I'll come up with the perfect plan and eventually I'll say it, but then the excitement's gone. So you want to capture that excitement when it's there. And then that gate eight, again, it's your conscious earth. So it's going to be a very grounding energy. 
What's your style? What's your style? What is your method? Your style right now is you're blending together all of these different things. And so that 3420 is a little bit enigmatic where you don't really know what's happening. And then like all of a sudden something's there. (laughs) So the consistent way that you'll come back to is that gate eight. What's my style and how can I contribute? Both of those are on individual circuitry. And so it's very much you're sharing because you have something to share. I would almost suggest using your social media as a journal or something for you to look back on and say, this is where I was today, or this is what I was excited about today. Instead of trying to say, this is how I'm selling this and micromanaging the message. And here's the hook. And here's that. You don't want to micromanage it that much. You want to just be in that energy and let yourself express yourself. One, even though it's undefined, it's in your G center. It's in that channel. The gift is freshness. And so freshening up your style. Anytime you might feel like you're in a rut, you don't really know what to talk about. How can you freshen up your style? Maybe you need to change some fonts. Maybe you need to freshen up a couple of the colors. Maybe you want to change your perspective completely differently, or you want to talk about something that you've never talked about before, doesn't relate to your brand at all. Share it anyways. That's going to be great content for you, especially if it's something that you're excited about. Yes, that's so relevant right now. (laughs) I was also wondering about the three tantric. 514 and 29. Those ones. It's been a while since I've read the stuff specifically about those tantric charts. So riffing purely on memory. (laughs) Um, But the sacral center is life force energy and it being life force energy, it's also sexual energy. There's a lot of correlations between like Shakti, Kundalini awakening, things like that in this center. The channels that connect the sacral center to the G center are really interesting channels in general because they play a lot of roles in group dynamics. But those particular channels are like the sacral energy and it's self-expression as well, because they're reaching towards a sense of self and a sense of direction. It's like this creativity and this life force wants to be expressed through who you are. And so there's this magnetic energy in that G center, which magnetic monopole plus sacral energy. I'm really excited about being in this container. I'm really excited about this connection. It's also really excited about a person as well as how that can show up. What I've read is people who have a lot of activity between their sacral center and their G center, they have a pretty high sex drive. And so you might need to be a little bit more active. You might just need more areas to be putting that sexual energy or putting that life force energy. It's also a way that you express yourself, making sure that you, if there's any shame or there's any judgment or anything that you're carrying, maybe some deconditioning. I know women in general tend to have a lot of shame around sexuality. (laughs) So if there's anything there, it's a part of how you express yourself. It's a part of who you are. That sexual energy is there. You might like getting weird. There's gate five, which is about rhythms and finding that rhythm. 14 is that power skill one. It's your conscious son as well. So sex is probably a great way for you to connect with your body to maybe even clear your mind. If you're really in your head center, you want to just kind of ground yourself. Sex. (laughs) Yeah, just play around with something. And 29 is about commitment. It's interesting. So those are defined, but they're hanging gates. I'd be curious if that's as consistent as 34, because 34 is the only asexual gate in the sacral center. And it deals with channeling that creative energy or channeling that sexual energy into creation. 
into, yeah, this is great, but I just want to work. You might really, really enjoy work. That's the only one to find in my sacral center. I love work. I am so deeply satisfied with working and I get frustrated when people try and take me away from work. So I'd be curious to see like how that shows up for you. Yeah, definitely relate more to having that. I love work as well and (laughs) expressing my creativity there. Yeah, for sure. So with being an MG, I feel like there's so much coming to me to like, do you want to choose this? Do you want to choose this? What are you going to respond to? Sometimes I find it overwhelming and sometimes there's so many things I've learned to see how I feel about it and in the moment, because it's like an instant feeling that I would get. Is that right? Yeah. I guess that's the way to decide what to go with. Because sometimes there's so many things that are similar, but I'm like, what's the right one? If you're searching for a right answer, you're in your head and your ajna. You're not in your sacral. (laughs) I see sacral beings and generators and many gens being very magnetic to ideas, especially the combination of having your sacral center defined, but an undefined head and ajna. Something I see with that combination a lot is I have so many ideas that are really exciting and I just don't know which to choose. A lot of the ideas may be coming from your head and your ajna because you're open to them. You're open to seeing ideas. You're open to seeing the possibilities. Another core belief of mine and something that I will remind myself of to get out of my head is what's meant for me will not pass me. What's meant for me will not miss me. You can push things away. And if it comes back, you can respond to it again. Even if you say no, if you say no to something like three times, no, this isn't right for me. No, this isn't right for me. It'll still pop up for you if it's correct for you. The universe is on your side. It wants you to succeed. It wants you to be in alignment. Something that, again, I remind myself is a wrong decision is better than indecision. If you make a decision, you jump into something, you're like, oh, I actually hate this. Then you know for sure. That's going to be so much more powerful to know for sure. And you're going to make more progress. You'll be able to redirect rather than saying, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Here's my list of 10,000 ideas that I think are all great, but I don't know which one to start with. Just start with something. If yeah. you hate it, great. Yeah. Now you know for sure that it's a safe rule. No. <laughs> yeah. And taste it. And then you have the, yeah, answer. taste it. <laughs> yes. It makes so much sense. And I totally agree. Just make the decision for sure. There is no wrong answer. How do you feel? I feel excited. (laughs) I love love learning about this stuff. It's so incredible. Any other burning questions you got? Yeah, I'm interested. I don't know. Do you know much about the line for with the breath there on purpose in Gene Keys? I know a little bit. Now that I've pulled up my cheat sheet and I've refreshed myself on this because like I just said, I do not have everything in the human design chart memorized. Remembering every single keynote and every single detail is a little bit much, even if you do have a slightly photographic memory. The line four, when you asked about breath, that's dealing with the unconscious earth. This is going to be the sphere of your purpose. And so the pathway between the sphere of radiance and the sphere of purpose is core stability. This is pathway of core stability. I like to look at this as since we're on the unconscious side, this is what's going to ground your unconscious. That's why it's core stability. So that challenge is where you're getting your mind on board, your conscious sun and your conscious earth. That's where you're grounding your conscious mind. This core stability, it's where you're grounding your human. It's where you're grounding your body. It's a great sphere to work with. If you are looking at 
nervous system regulation or trauma work or anything like that, because it's going to be an anchoring point into I am safe. My body feels safe. There's different keynotes for each of the different lines. Thanks to our amazing gene keys. Thank you, Richard Rudd for all of the work that you do. You're magical. So the line four deals with breath. Breath, you have this ability to get in tune with the deeper rhythms of life. And so you, especially since you also have gate five defined in your chart, you know, rhythms, you can see rhythms Four, it's the first line in the interpersonal lines. So it's about connection and bringing people together. So your core stability comes through connecting with the sense of rhythm. So it's connecting with the sense of rhythms within all of us because breath is a rhythm. The universe breathes, we breathe, the world breathes. You desire to bring people together through this rhythm. And so you'll be able to connect with them once you've tuned into what is your rhythm, where am I in the rhythm? Am I in an inhale? Am I in an exhale? Breath work would be very helpful for you. Breath work okay. is going to be great for you to tune into your sense of rhythm. It's going to ground your body and make your body feel safe. And it's part of your purpose to bring people together in that sense of rhythm. You have 30 defined in this particular placement in this sphere. So 30 is about desires, moving from the shadow of desire into the energy of light. Through breath, through breath work, through breathing, through these rhythms that you're able to see, you're probably able to help people move from, I really want this really badly to trusting in divine timing, exhaling, making it a lot lighter of a desire. When I see lightness, I get this image of a cat playing with a ball of yarn. They're just like laying on their side and they're just like batting it. (laughs) They might throw it off the table or something like that. Every once in a while, they might chase it and attack it, but it's very much this lightness. It's like, oh, I'm just batting a ball of yarn around, no big deal. I could attack it, but I'm just going to hit it occasionally. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) That in combination with this breath, with this lightness, with this tuning into rhythms, that's what I see for that one. Yeah. I love that. That's so interesting. Oh, I kind of didn't get the desire part. Why am I moving from desire to lightness? But now that explains. Mm -hmm. We can go into that channel a little bit if you want. Yeah. That'd be amazing. Perfect. So the 4130, so this channel is bringing root center energy into emotional awareness. 41, you move from fantasy to anticipation. And so we're working with the shadow of fantasy and the shadow of desire into anticipation and lightness. Essentially, this whole channel, you have pressure to respond, you have pressure to grow, you have pressure to evolve. And on the receiving end in this emotional center, this 30 is essentially coming to the conclusion and processing the emotions around Yes, I actually want this. That whole channel, you're moving from this is a fantasy, this is just a dream desire that I just like have this desire and I'm escaping the world here and I'm using this as my escapism habit into this space where you're anticipating these desires actually happening because you've emotionally processed, I do want this. This is something that I want. With 30, because it's on a receiving end, for me, I really see that gate as really the only goal is to come to terms with and do the emotional processing around this is something that I do desire. I want this and it's okay for me to want it. And it's okay for me to have this desire and not have to work really hard or feel like it's super far away. It's something that I can hold. It's something that I can work towards. It's something I can anticipate. And it's something that I can claim that I actually do want this and I have this desire, but you don't need to be in like a grasping energy when it comes to wanting things. You're moving from that stressful, I want this really bad. I have to work really hard in order to get it into yeah, I do want that. And I'm going to anticipate that it's going to show up one day and I don't have to work harder. I can just come to this emotional conclusion around, 
this is something that I actually want. Yes, that's amazing. I love that so much. I love that channel. Yeah. And <laughs> so just quickly on my conscious son, what I've heard you talking about yours a lot in some of the podcast episodes. Can you share about that? Yeah. You want to just talk about 14 or like how I use my conscious son? Yeah, both. both? How I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I see the conscious sun. The sun is 70% of your personality. And so this is going to be a big deal. It's the biggest, brightest thing in your world. And so it also correlates to your sun sign on the 18th. Are you a Sagittarius or a Scorpio? Yeah. Scorpio. Okay. My birthday is on the 26th. And so I'm right in the beginning of Sagittarius season. So I couldn't remember like where specifically that was. This is going to be a Scorpio gate. And so you're going to see like those Scorpio themes show up more specifically in this particular gate for you. The energy of like mysterious, like will dive into things. There's almost like a sexual energy there too, because it's one of those tantric gates as well. Being in the sacral center, you being in alignment with your sacral center is going to be the most important center. You have to be lit up by what you do. You have to be lit up by what you do. You absolutely have to be lit up by what you do. It has to be giving you life. (laughs) If it's not giving you life, you're literally dimming your light is essentially what's happening. So I like to look at the center to see if I'm in alignment with my sacral center, because that's the biggest one for me as well. And then that's where I start. If I'm in my non-self for me, it's in my G center of like, oh my God, I don't know who I am. So I'll use that as a way to remind myself of this is who I am. Anytime I have a new goal or I feel like I'm stepping into a new phase or last year I went from solo entrepreneur to I am running a team and running a company. And so that was a big identity shift for me. I brought that problem through my gene keys. I went through the whole sequence and went through it with that particular problem involved. So how can I move from the shadow into the gift specifically with this particular problem or with this particular identity? For you, it's moving from that compromise into the gift of competence. (laughs) And so, yeah, it'll be moving from, am I compromising? I'm saying yes to this, even though it's okay, but it's not fully a yes. I would see that possibly pushing things away and saying no to things that are okay, but not great would be, that's probably a really common theme for you, but I'm pretty sure that once you push away those things that are okay, but not great, the great thing comes along really quickly. Yes. I wanted to ask about that because I also have mediocrity And so I feel like those two shadows, mediocrity and then compromise, that has been massive. I'm just like settling. I have settled for so many things. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. You're worth more, even if you don't feel like it, because that undefined ego center, it's inconsistent, Mm -hmm. but self-worth is like pants. You put it on every day because you have it. (laughs) Even if you don't feel like it. So put on your self-confidence for the day. You know that when you move from that energy of compromise and mediocrity, you're freshening up your style, right? You're creating that. This is my style. This is how I want to do things because this is what I'm good at. That's what you're saying. You're going from taking that light that you have and kind of dimming it with compromising and letting other people being mediocre. So settling, moving into the energy of I'm not settling because I know my worth. That's where all of that light is going to shine through. That's your biggest challenge. And that's the biggest thing that you get to work through is can you over and over and over again, decide that you're not going to settle and that you do want more, that you do desire more. You're capable of more. You have the capacity for more. You can do better work. 
that better work, that's where you're going to be lit up. That's where you're going to be getting life from your content, from the work that you're doing. That's where you want to be. When you do that as a line two, and because both of those gates are on individual circuitry, it empowers other people to do the same. Every single time that you say, I am not settling, I'm waiting for something better, or I am not settling, I'm choosing to step into my zone of genius, you give other people permission to do the same. Because as a line two, people watch you and they see you and they're like, I just want to be like you. And really, they just need to see you stepping into the zone of genius every step of the way, every step that it comes up. That's where you're going to show everyone else that they don't have to settle. They don't have to be in mediocre jobs. They don't have to be in mediocre relationships or situations. They don't have to feel mediocre in their body. They are capable of doing it. They're capable of feeling good and they get to do it their own way. Yes. That's what I most get excited about. You can do this. You can have that. And like, yeah, Yeah. super. You can have, and you can do it your way. That requires you to be an example, to lead by example and let other people see you choosing to do things your own way. Yeah. Amazing. That is so cool. I love it. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. Mm, Okay. How are you feeling? Amazing. Yeah. (laughs) I will go ahead and wrap it up. Thank you so much for coming on. I think we dove into a lot. I think we covered a lot, actually. I was surprised at how much we got through in such a short period of time. But one, thank you for participating in the giveaway and thank you for being flexible with call schedules and figuring out when we could get on this call together. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. That was incredible. And I'm so grateful and I'm just in awe of you and (laughs) thank you, Aiden. Thank you.